Second thoughts? Too late. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it. Launch in five, four, three, two, one, go! Pull the lever, crunk. Pull the lever! Oh god, I can't even do it. <laughs> cracked her a second. I cracked my voice. That's a hard one to do. Uh, I can't, I wish I could do Earth of Kids Register. Uh, uh, Yzma. <laughs> yeah, let's see if I can. Put your hands up, Yzma. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was that's that's actually really spot on. That is a good Patrick Warburton. We're gonna be talking about Patrick Warburton and Earth the Kit a lot. Oh yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to Animusing. That intro bit was from the long lost, well, still technically there, but with an incredible skin thrown over it. California Screaming, once voiced by Neil Patrick Harris. That's not as important. Neil Patrick Harris has nothing to do with this episode of Animusing, which is the Emperor's New Groove. Woo! We're still in 2000 because. For some reason, we can't leave this year. This is like the third movie that came out in 2000. This is kind of nuts. It was a 2000 was an interesting year for Walt Disney Animation, I gotta say. Yeah. Anyway, I am David King. I'm Kayla King, and we have a guest, as we usually do, because how can Animusings just is, invites guests all the time? But this guest is super special because we love him from the bottom of our hearts. Alan Cheney, everyone. Oh, it's me. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi. Uh, I, 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 requested, I requested this film specifically. It's true. And uh, after everything that happened in uh, you know, The Great Mouse Detective, we thought, oh, okay, sure. Let's bring we'll, him we'll back. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. It sounds good. Did a good job in Great Mouse Detective. I think you could do well for this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, this m movie that's... Uh, I've, uh, it's a short one. <laughs> it is short. I, I, should we talk about our personal histories first, or do we want to, I mean, I could give the back history or the background history on this is, wow, like, I, I didn't expect it to be this, like. Is it a tangled web? Yeah. Is it a confusing rotating canal that eventually drops off a precipice into a mountain gorge. I, I was thinking about the little thing oh, in the movie yeah. that they were going to throw Cusco off. Um, anyway. Should I just give the history first? Yeah, let's, let's, how about that? Let's do that. And we'll, we'll, we'll gasp and, uh, and hem and haw and nod at the, all the appropriate times. Right, Alan? Right. Okay. So uh, this film was originally going to be called Kingdom of the Sun. <gasps> and, and when I mean like, originally called Kingdom of the Sun. I mean, this was the title for like six years. Um, it was uh, in development for six years? Well, I guess that makes sense. Well, uh, no, it's- Most movies are. Okay. Most of these movies are. Let, let me explain. So um, in 1994, uh, Roger Allers, who co-directed The Lion King and Matthew Jacobs, who is a writer. And the only thing I can say that I know him for is for the Doctor Who movie. He was a writer on the 1996 Doctor Who movie. Oh, interesting. Thank you. So um, he wrote this script and it is n not like the, the movie you see today. It was actually supposed to be a romantic comedy musical. Um, Come again? Yeah. <laughs> the script was similar to The Prince and the Pauper uh, with uh, Dave Spade playing, still playing the prince, but the popper was going to be voiced by Owen Wilson. 
<laughs> so Pacha was going to be a younger guy that looked a lot like Emperor Cusco, but uh, he had a different name, which um, the reason they can't use it is because it means something bad that I can't say on this podcast, sadly. Uh, oh. I won't get into that. <laughs> something they didn't realize until later? Yeah. Oh. So um, the movie itself would be about them trading places and uh, Yzma, still voiced by Eartha Kitt, wanted to basically take out the sun so she can be young and beautiful forever because um, the sun gives you wrinkles and all that good stuff. And um, along the way, she does discover that the prince is disguised as a pauper. So she does change him into a llama. And that leads him to have a love interest with a llama herder who is going to be voiced by Laura Preppen, as in um, Laura Preppen from uh, Orange is the New Black. That's 70s show, yeah. Yeah. And then um, Pacha was going to have a a love interest who is supposed to be the fiancé of the prince, uh, going to be voiced by Carl Guinguino, who... I think people now would know as the mother from uh, The Haunting of Hill House, the, TV, the Netflix series. Ooh. Yeah, she's hot, isn't Ooh. she? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but if you're a nerd like me who grew up in the 90s, she's also um, from Son-in-Law and <laughs> Spike is. <laughs> <laughs> and almost forgotten about Spike. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, uh, so the script had a lot of problems. Um, now, uh, now, just just to begin, this uh, development began in 1994, and Disney said, "Yeah, you create, you directed Lion King, and that basically made us a ton of money. Here's free reign, do whatever you want." But the script continued to have problems. Whenever they did test screens, it did not engage the audience. So they said, "Okay, let's add more humor." And um, to add more humor, they brought in um, Mark Dindle to be a co-director. Who uh, Mark Dindle? had just finished directing Cats Don't Dance. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I like, that's an unsung gem, uh, Cats Don't Dance. I like that. I like that movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're all on the same page about Cats Don't Dance. It's very important. I base a lot of my friendships, like make or break friendships on whether or not (laughs) like Cats Don't Dance, so. Cats Don't Dance came up and honestly, the entire podcast could have ended right now. Yeah. It would have been very bad, but thankfully, uh, thankfully, Alan thankfully we're all on the once, same page. Well, Alan has proven once again he is a man of sophistication and taste, so. Yes. Uh, and then also they brought in a sidekick who would be like a, a Rocky type of sidekick um, named Hukwa. I, I'm probably butchering that name, but it was going to be voiced by Harvey Fierstein. Harvey Fierstein. Oh, that would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, however, um, uh, they also brought in Sting to write the music. Um, again, it's supposed to be a musical. And uh, by the way, Sting had a lot of problems on set with this. Um, and he, there is a documentary called The Sweat Box that details this. I had no idea. I, I literally wanna, had no idea. I kind of want to watch it. But yeah, he apparently hates this film because of it. It was good, like the problems he had with... Uh, the music throughout this. I mean, but um, I'll, I'll touch upon that later on. Um, now, there was still hope and they kept like moving along. Uh, 
it was in four years in production and then about a year and a half or no, sorry, four years into development and then a year and a half in production. And there, the artwork was looking good. Everything seemed to be going well, but the script still wasn't working. And every time the studio looked at it, it's like, this doesn't feel right. There's something off about it. It just doesn't seem to work. It's not engaging our audience. Um, uh, and the uh, producer Randy Fuller actually approached uh, Allerson. They said, you realize that we, you are this close to being shut down. Um, especially with, because it seems like the script wasn't working and there seemed to be a lot of problems throughout it. Uh, it took more and more time to develop and um, complete. And they had a deadline. Uh, they had a 2000 deadline and there is a reason for this. Uh, so, uh, okay. Guess who I'm bringing back, David? Uh, he, that man, Jeffrey Katzenberg, isn't it? It's Jeffrey, isn't it? So, it's Jeffrey, isn't it? So, but okay. That man casts such a long shadow. So, Jeffrey Katzenberg was, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg was at the studio when they were starting to begin development for uh, Kingdom of the Sun, but he wasn't there long enough to have much of an influence on that. Right. So, because he left and started DreamWorks. However, around the same time that was in production, another film that came into production called Road to El Dorado. Oh! <laughs> which is also kind of a charming movie in its own right, though. So yeah. I can't be too mad, but it's still Jeffrey being the petty, now, now, petty man. Now, there is no been. proof that he took some of those ideas from Kingdom of the Sun and then brought it over to create El, uh, Road to El Dorado, but it's kind of weird. They had a deadline. Like, they like, no, you have to get out by 2000. Allers uh, requested a um, six months to a year extension. He's like, I, I just need a little more time and it'll be, it'll come out looking beautiful. And he was denied. After that, Allers left the project. He said, I'm done. This is, this is too much work. It's too hard. Uh, he had actually had this to say about it. Kingdom of the Sun was such a heartbreaking experience for me. I put four years of my heart and energy into that one. I was creating an epic picture mixing elements of adventure, comedy, romance, and mysticism. The head of Disney Features at the time was afraid that we were doing, in his opinion, too many films in the same vein. He was also uncomfortable with the spiritual and cultural Inca aspects of it. What? He, Come on. Hence, he decided to make it a simple slapstick comedy. Would it have worked out if we had more time? I would hope so, but one can never know with these things. Mm -hmm. So, oh, gee, I feel kind of, you know, kind of bad. Well, now, oh, I would be interested in to see the hypothetical world where Kingdom of the Sun actually got to be the movie, you know, he it, wanted it to be. It's hard to say because the way it was worded is it felt like a typical Disney film. It does sound kind of that way, um, but I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Honestly, we don't know. Um, now, as a result, they're like, okay, now you have to retool this completely. And you only have this, you still have this 2000 deadline. And they're like, okay, well, what do we have to do? So this is probably the biggest long haul they've had in a while. Um, so 
Interestingly enough, storyboard artist Chris Williams, who would eventually go on to direct Bolt and Big Hero 6, <laughs> suggested that Pacha would be older and uh, screenwriter David Reynolds, who would go on to be a writer for Finding Nemo, suggested it to be a Buddy Road comedy. Huh? Yeah. So in that case, I feel like if there were that much, that much, that if there was that much crunch time between, like, I, I feel like that's where the conspiracy about Road to El Dorado being exactly the same, like that just feels like a zeitgeist kind of thing that both happen to be road comp, buddy road comedies set in Mesoamerica. Yeah. <laughs> that happen to be um, incredibly memeable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now Road to El Dorado did um, beat them in terms of uh, release date. Uh, mm-hmm. El- Road to El Dorado came out in on March 31st, 2000, whereas um, uh, Emperor's New Groove came out December 15th, 2000. Uh, now, their budget was very similar. Rotel Dorado had a budget of $95 million, whereas Emperor's New Groove had a budget of $100 million. Rotel Dorado only made $76 million worldwide. Ooh. So they flopped. Mm-hmm. Emperor's New Groove did make back its money. Now, just, just to let you know, it did make back its money. Um, altogether, uh, they made $169 million. But However, no, not to not to Disney. Yeah, because they have super high well, freaking expectations. Let me put it to you this way, David. Pocahontas considered a flop, right? Right. Their box office was three hundred forty-six million. <sighs> yeah. So, like, even the movies that they deemed like failures made much more money than Emperor's New Group did. And- yeah, they again. I I think one of the things I've learned doing this podcast with you is just like why their their expectations of stuff are like so high because they have to set the bar so high when they have smash hits like i don't know lion king mermaid well, like david nearly a billion i know but not every movie is going to meet that bar can't they just be like cool we made a little back I Yay. It, it's it, it's disney they're they're always going to set expectations high but um yeah. here's a i mean we'll see what happens as time passes but um one of the reasons it didn't do as well was uh, another movie came out at that time called um, Jim Carrey's How the Str- Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and more people mm. are going to see, we're going to see that over this film. Um, it did get some favorable reviews. People were actually, uh, for the most part, critics were like, no, this is actually a good, funny movie. And Here's the weird part. Um, some people call this film a sleeper hit. Um, more so, they call it a cult hit, though. Because, just because I mean, it didn't flop necessarily. I mean, it still made back its budget. But um, it, was consi- it still was considered, like, a failure to Disney. However, they did extremely well when, uh, for DVD and Blu-rays. Um, and home video. It was actually the top selling home video release of 2001. Like the revenue was about 125 million. And then when they did a re-release of Blu-ray uh, in 2013, uh, which they were released with uh, um, uh, what that se- the sequel they had, you know, the- Amber's New School. 
or no, it was like Kronk's something. I can't remember. Kronk's new groove. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, something but, I don't care about. Yeah, I don't it doesn't care about the sequels. It doesn't matter. But the point being, on its first weekend, first weekend by the way, it sold fourteen thousand Blu-ray units, grossing two hundred eighty-two thousand dollars. Wow. Like this film did very well when it was released into DVD. And it developed a cult following, as I mentioned before, later on, because we'd like to thank internet culture. Internet culture basically kind of saved this film because it's so memeable. <laughs> like, it, it's kind of insane. It's kind of like Pacha's just right gesture became yeah. a meme. Yeah. So did like uh, Bird Bingo, which it's like, all right, one more for Apocalypse Bingo. <laughs> like, this was very, like, it, it's kind of strange how it went from this one movie to a completely different film to a, uh, to not doing well and then suddenly developing a cult following because it just so happened to fit so well with meme culture. It's kind of, Kind of uncanny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but then because you know, I think one of the things about this movie is just when when the comedy beats work, they really work. Like, and they're it, it, there's it's quotable. This movie is incredibly quotable. Um, I mean, is there is, is this about the point where we yeah our personal experience? I, I mean, I like my personal experience was I enjoyed this movie as a kid. It was one of those films I was about because I was a. How old would I have been? I was 11 at the time. So this was like a movie that was a cartoon, but it was an acceptable cartoon. It wasn't like too cheesy or whatever. And it was funny. A lot of like my friends did make jokes from this and uh, we laughed a lot to it. I, um, even as I got older, it was, a, if, if, if it came up on television, I did enjoy watching it. So um, I do. <laughs> I do have an, another thing, um, but we'll we'll get into that later as uh, um, as we go forward. I mean, uh -huh. I mean, no, I'll just say it now because I've already said. So uh, Isma is voiced by uh, Eartha Kit, and it wasn't until I got older that I realized Eartha Kit is a beast. <laughs> no, not just she, not just no, because she played Catwoman. So, insanely good such a cool person um and the reason why i suddenly got interested in her life was because i heard a song she sang called um uh, uh i'd rather be burned as a witch and it's like probably my favorite song ever and then <laughs> after that i like learn more about her i'm like this woman is so cool like she told off like um, like Ladybird after Ladybird basically tr like treated her like crap and it's just oh my goodness this woman's so awesome <laughs> like guys look up uh, like look up Eartha Kitt's career listen to her music she's a gifted singer just ah uh, she she's so underrated <laughs> anyway that yeah that's that's my history so mine's not that complicated I saw it in theaters as a kid mm -hmm. I really liked it then. I really like it now. So I've seen it a handful of times between then and now and still enjoy it. So yeah, um, I wish I could be more complicated now or say I have a special connection with this. I Not so much, but I think, again, 
it's the jokes. Some of the gags stay with me. And it's funny when you can just like quote the movie to people, parts of the movie to people and they just get it, you know? Mm-hmm. It did have an impact. So that's really, that's, that's cool to me. Um, yeah. Uh, so this movie, when I first saw it, I saw it with my whole family and we have been nonstop quoting it ever since. <laughs> um, yeah, my whole family loves this movie. I love this movie, and I dislike David Spade. <laughs> yeah. That says a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I mentioned, the, the reason I keep bringing up the runtime of this movie, this movie is under an hour and a half long. Um, and it's perfect, because the jokes in this movie are nonstop. They come, like, fast and heavy, and... It is way more like Looney Tunes style than Disney has ever done before. It's it's kind of got that element of humor to it. Oh yeah, yeah. I um, I, I, I look. I think we're for the most part we're going to talk about the jokes throughout this film. Yeah, didn't did, I think at one point as we were watching it, I was like, I was we were at the part where uh, they're trying to get out of the, the like the, they're at the collapsing bridge bit, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself as they're going through all the antics here, I'm like. This feels more like a Warner Brothers cartoon yeah. than it does a Disney yeah. film. And that I meant that in the best possible way. <laughs> no, yeah, but yeah, like to to this day my dad quotes Kronk. Um <laughs> I mean Kronk, oh man. Well, okay. Let's let's begin at the beginning of this where we are in, where we're introduced to this llama and David Spade uh talking over and okay I, I'm, I'm with you alan i don't like david spade either he's not that funny and he's probably the least funny character in this movie and i still probably. get it yeah I still, and, and there's still moments every character no, has moments that's too a, that's the thing i still get there's still moments i laughed at him but yeah i think that, he, I, he, he's the least funny character but I, I'm not going to like David Spade is a very good fit for Cusco. Oh yeah. The kind of yeah. like arrogant, this, this arrogant so-and-so rules the and known, entire known world according to the theme song. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So l- let me get into that. So remember when I told you Sting made a bunch of songs? Yeah. So technically only two, two songs were used. Uh, the first in the movie, they only use a perfect world in the end. They use, um, uh, my funny friend and me, which it's so unfor- so forgettable. It's very. Uh, but uh, the funny part is, for a perfect world, they didn't want Sting to sing the song because they wanted someone younger. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I know this story. Do it. Tell me what is uh, it. They they wanted someone younger to sing a perfect world, and then they brought in Tom Jones, who is significantly older than Sting. He's eleven <laughs> years older. <than> <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, uh, oh my god you know i really like the i like the bit where it's just kind of the montage of, of a day in Cusco's life where he just gets up in the morning he stamps baby's heads with like a kiss stamp he cuts a ribbon he breaks a bottle on this huge ship in his throne room that just sails out of shot and we never <laughs> see it again like to even just like over explain the jokes is doing it a disservice i just it just the energy is fun it's, yeah the it's, animation it's, it's rapid fire 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And the animation yeah. is great too. Like it feel, I mean, it's what I like, appreciate about it is like, I've seen other movies we've talked about where I'm like, like, Hey, this details off or this details off. Like it fits its style really well, but they also still go the extra mile with certain things. Like if you ever noticed how many, um, I've become aware of this as we've done this. You ever notice how many Disney movies, they don't have shadows sometimes, especially in the, yeah, the yeah. dark ages. Yes. There's never a lack of shadows in this. Everything kind of makes sense lighting wise. Oh yeah. So, and again, it's fluid. It looks good. The colors are bright. Um, they're not flat. It's, it's great. Now, uh, one of the things I pointed out to David um, was the animation design of the characters is very, is much more simplistic. Yeah. Um, other than like the random close-ups, but uh, it's a good thing that it's so simplistic because it's a comedy. If it was so much more like detailed, like if this was a, uh, if they did like, like did the animation like Beauty and the Beast, it would feel awkward, mm -hmm, I think. Mm -hmm, I agree. So having that simple humor and because it's so fast paced, it works. The animation strangely enough works for this film. It so. really does. And I don't even think it's that strange. Again, I think it it kind of lends credence to the idea that this is almost a more, this is a more slapstick story. Yeah. More slapstick film. Um, I mean, especially when it's not taking itself seriously at all when you've got the, the from the moment we get into Cusco as a human and we see, um, you know, all the stuff that's going on. I love the moment. Or what, did the river dancing come after he throws the old man out the window? Yes, it does. Okay. Yes. Because he throws off the emperor, the emperor's groove gets thrown off, and I, I this is I love these these gags where it's like so that the old man who by the way is voiced by uh, John John Fiedler John Fiedler who is the, the voice of Piglet he's the original voice of Piglet um, he gets I love I just love that you know that moment you've thrown off the emperor's groove cuts hard cut to outside sorry. He flies out a window. <laughs> I think a lot of people remember that. Like that is a very like if you talk to people about the Empress Groove, one of the things they will bring up is, "Dude, you threw off my groove." You've thrown off the Empress Groove. And it's it, so it is very quotable. But I think what made me laugh harder was right after it, the river, the, ri the river dancing guards. I love the guards design. They got like the the blue purple like half and half thing going on. Like mm -hmm. that's interesting. But they're good at it. They're good at river dancing. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, we're introduced to Pacha, who is voiced by John Goodman. Is it just me, or is John Goodman just always, when he acts, sounds so genuine? Like, there's, like, I keep forgetting how good of an actor he is. John Goodman's an incredible actor, but, and he's a really good voice actor, too. Oh, like, yeah. You hear it in his, in his dialogue. Which is funny, when you watch... When you watch the movie, um, uh, The Big Lebowski and the <laughs> <laughs> That is such a different character. Anyway. Uh, speaking of him playing different characters, uh, I got around to watching 10 Cloverfield Lane. It's not oh, bad. yeah. I heard about this. But go on. Uh, no, it's, 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 it's uh, John Goodman stars in that movie. It's a very different role for him. And yeah, no, it, he is the best part of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great A actor, John Goodman. He's, he's earned it. Yeah, because I'm listening to him and I'm like, I feel for this character. He sent, when he speaks, I believe when he genuinely cares, it's kind like he definitely sounds very genuine. I, I keep, again, yeah. I forget how good of an actor he is. Keep, keep in mind, uh, well, again, it's like this movie is ridiculously well cast in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Like, 
again, you said I think David Spade fits Kuzco really mm-hmm. well, and then of course we get we get uh, we get Pacha here, and Pacha is very warm, very uh, fun, very. But he's also like he's he he's he's put upon a lot, so like it makes sense that he's got the voice he does, um, and I. I'll bring this up a few times, but the story being simple doesn't get in the way of the jokes. But when the, the bits that need to come up, come up, you don't worry about the fact that certain things are glossed over because then it means the jokes can come faster and you don't miss anything. Uh, Cause it's again, it's a simple story that's, pa- that's made better by the fact that it's just full of gag comedy. Mm-hmm. But after Pacha shows up, and um, oh wait, but wait, 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 before no, they, we were introduced to Pacha as he's making his way to the palace, and he gets the old man down from the thing. Yes, that's the first sign that something weird's going on. Beware the groom, <laughs> the groom. <laughs> um, that's where we're introduced to Isma, who is that, as you said, Eartha Kit, and is one what? of the two best parts of this movie. Oh, the yes. other part being Patrick Warburton as Kronk. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Everything with Yzma and Kronk is comedy gold. These two never feel, fail to make me laugh. They, they like, I don't, I, I don't even know if they were in the booth at the same time. They probably weren't, but they, somehow they play off each other so well and the chemistry is there with the, the comedic timing. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just so good. They're like, so probably, probably my favorite bit in the whole movie I don't know why this bit always sticks out to me is when Eastman says uh, he'll be dead before dessert and Kronk's just like, which is a shame because it's going to be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, it's funny because the joke that keeps running is how ugly Yzma is, which is funny because if you've seen Eartha Kid as a when she was younger, mm, yeah, there's a reason she played Catwoman, peoples. Like, she was a like bombshell. She was sexy, man. And, and it wasn't the album where you found the uh, oh yeah the album where you found that song called something like Sex Kittens or something. Oh, it's something like that. I, I, I can look <laughs> it up right now. It's well, I mean, while while you're doing that, um, I just want to I I want to say like, and this this might be my, I mean, I, there's a lot of good roles, but this might be my favorite. Patrick Warburton role. Ever. Yeah. It's it's too good. Um uh, I'm I'm looking at it right now. It's called Oh, it's called the it's, <laughs> Sex Kittens in Hi-Fi, The Brunettes. <laughs> good. <laughs> so, let's just pretend Music for a bachelor's den. One hundred and sixty years ago, Isma might have been a, a bombshell herself, but <laughs> you know that was when dinosaurs walked the earth. So I mean, <laughs> and we did just watch Dinosaur not that long oh, ago. God. So I mean, you know, if Isma had popped up in the background as a young lady, I wouldn't have been surprised. Anyway, um, they she has such a good color palette with the purples and blacks, like. You almost get like a like it's it's again it's either green or purple with with Disney villains a lot of the time, and uh, Isma has a great silhouette. Uh, she's got a great design. Kronk uh, has, well, Kronk is Kronk. She goes through one of these henchmen every decade or so, something like that. It's interesting because Kronk's design isn't exactly like standoutish, but the humor, like the every like every word that comes out of his mouth is just. Mm. I think it, yeah, Patrick Warburton nails this role. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Um, 
And I like, uh, you know, she's trying to run, again, according to Kuzco, she's running the kingdom behind behind his back. She, she's basically Jafar. She's Jafar, but this, but you kind of get why she's mad because she does that, she does the thing, right? And then Kuzco just fires her on yeah. the spot. Just like, yeah, you're fired. Yeah, he, he, he illustrates it, which of course she brings back later. I don't know if we have to necessarily hover over anything in this movie for any particular length of time, just because yeah. it just goes. And we, I think in that essence, so should we. Talk just talking about the bits that are good, um, and then uh, I mean, I mean, the plot point here is Pacha comes in and it gets revealed that um, Cusco is planning to create a summer home slash water park on uh, on the hill where his village is, and is basically going to destroy his land. And it's for his and then here's Cuscotopia, Cuscotopia, which is a little bit weird because you know Cusco is named after a real city that exists in. <laughs> In in Peru, yeah. Um, but I think another and you can and you can feel free to censor this next bit uh, if if uh, which also means that if they hadn't changed his name, his uh, Cusco Topia would have translated to <laughs> town. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Whoa! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm going. It sounds like the kind of place. Oh, you know, I I enjoyed the gag where it's like you need to choose a bride, and they all look exactly the same, just with different hair. All the women lined up. Mm-hmm. So just that was interesting. Just something I noticed on on the side. Anyway, uh, we also learned he's about to turn eighteen. Yeah, I keep forgetting he's basically a child. Yeah, like turn he's a teenager. Like, yeah, he's a he's a stupid teenager. Yeah. Uh, that's mean. That's, I'm no, sorry. that's fine. Well, Pacha, that's when Pacha does his like, mm. it's, it's, it's super brief in the movie, but everybody gifts that all the time. I know I certainly did when I went on Twitter and said, hey, we're doing the Emperor's New Groove next. It's going to be great. And there's Pacha doing, mm. but uh, the, the perfect sign. Um, just right. Yeah. Just right. Just right. Just right. Uh, he gets escorted out w- without me being able to make much of an argument about the hill. Um, and, uh, oh, and then we get Yzma and Kronk plotting uh, Kuzco's downfall, but they have that bit where they have to go to her secret lab and that part's real. Oh, and she's just cra- using a mallet to smash. And this is the first time we really get to see them interact a bunch and just have solo time. And yeah, every bit, every bit with them is, is hilarious. And that's where that whole gag comes from about the pull the lever, cronk wrong lever. Why do I even have that lever? I read a story once about uh, someone who was at a, uh, uh, you know, there's those water parks where someone can stand on a, on a thing and uh, the attendant will pull the lever and a trap door will open underneath you and you'll drop. Yeah. And someone said that, you know, one of the reasons, I think, I think, I don't remember the exact context of this, but I think they saw this girl get in there and she went, Right before the thing went, she went, pull the lever, cronk. And then the, the attendant, you know, just trying to time it, pulled the thing and it dropped out. And she, as she went down, she went, wrong lever. I mean, if you're going to go down one of those, like, scary rides, I mean, how else are you going to do? Why do we even have that lever? 
I like when I like when I like how they when they go through the ride part where they drop onto the roller coaster. They end up in lab coats. They both turn to each other, give each other a high five, and then run away. And this is important because I love the fact that they repeat this gag later with uh, Cusco and Pacha, and the exact same stuff happens to them, including them getting shoved into the costumes with the fake hair and the goggles and everything. Yes, it's so good. That is, it is a great bit. Um. They get the poison. They're going to poison. They're, they come up with a few other plans. Yzma's got the long range one. I think it was, oh, we could just poison him to save on postage. That's their whole plan. <laughs> to just save on postage. postage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's a point where the it starts to float in midair when Kronk holds the uh, um, potion, which I always found was kind of weird. Yeah. But he's that, got mag- magical powers. Kronk, yes. Secretly, he does. You yes. know. And there's the theory that he's uh, actually a squirrel. Oh, I hadn't thought of that because he can speak squirrel. Wait, why is it? Yeah, there was there was the theory that uh, whenever Yzma needs a new guy, she uh, turns an animal human. Oh, that's a good theory. That's actually, you know, that's a really good theory. Actually, wow, I didn't think about that. Huh? That makes sense. All of, all of you, yeah, all of Yzma's minions could just be random animals she picked up from different places and turned into humans. That would be interesting. We never do learn how she brews and stuff. But man, I love the style, when, especially when she's in front of all the beakers and test tubes and stuff. Even those have that cool, like, like over-the-top Mesoamerican look to them in terms of, like, the art style. But there's, like, they're all purple and pink. And, like, it's, like, yep. it's, it's neat. Uh, so then dinner happens and more gags. <laughs> dinner, like, dinner, dinner scene is great. Dinner scene is fantastic. Yep. Just to talk about it too much would kind of spoil it. Um, you know what? I, I, think, I, did... I, think, I think the best bit of it is just that uh, they, they, they give Cusco the wrong poison. <laughs> it's poison that turns him into a llama instead of kills him. But when he first ingests the poison, he passes out. And, you know, they think they've done it. And, but then he just gets up and keeps talking and keeps talking as he is transforming into a llama. <laughs> I just love how he just face plants and then gets up as if nothing happened. So, so it's yeah. not just something he'd do. Um, actually, there's a gag here I really appreciate because like when uh, Yzma's like, like Kronk, you know, signs for her not to drink the potion. I never noticed this before until this viewing. She pours it into a cactus behind her. Yes. Um, just whatever. This bit is great. <laughs> and, and so he starts turning into a llama and she, you know, does the, she mimes, you know, with broccoli that, um, Smack him over oh, my, she, oh, my, my spinach pops. Um, mimes to knock Cusco out. When we cut back around to see that shot of Yzma again, the cactus has turned into a llama-shaped cactus. I'd never noticed that gag before. Yep. By the way, whenever you watch this, does this make you want to have spinach puffs? Like that Actually, sounds, it does make me want to have spinach puffs. That sounds puffs. so good. I, I Epi- really- uh, Episode break. We're all going to go have spinach puffs. Yeah, sorry. We'll be right back. We're going to have some spinach puffs. <laughs> and they're not as good as if Kronk would have made them, but I, I highly yes. approve of these spinach puffs. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah. So it's hard to get, you know what? These, these days, it's hard to get spinach puffs anywhere unless you make them yourself, but we, I'm, I'm glad we found that, that little place that, that delivered. Yes. Yeah, I actually just found a recipe. Like, uh, oh my gosh, someone actually made recipes. Spinach chops inspired by the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, the internet yes. can be amazing sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, so they have to get rid of Cusco before anyone notices. And then we get, so 
this is that bit where Kronk is like doing his own theme music and sneaking around. We did not need David Spade narrating over this. This, yes, David Spade narrating was so unnecessary. Like, could you imagine how much funnier it would have been of just watching Kronk doing theme music like, when he's with, with, with it gets the wall. I don't know. I kind of like the I'm so glad I was unconscious for this. But that part's good. Like, I appreciate that part. Everything else is kind of like, but wait, just, I just want to see it play out. It would be actually, I think it would be funny if um, there, like, we, like, we hear a little bit at the beginning, but then watch him go through it and then say, I'm so glad I was unconscious for this. I think it just maybe some of it could have been cut out too. Yeah. True, true, true. Uh, he almost throws Cusco over a waterfall. Like he drops the bag that he's in into a, the canal, but then has the, the first angel and devil moment. And this is fun. They bring it back. This is another two, two part gag. Yes. Yeah. And another one that became a meme. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no, he's got a point. <laughs> yes. No, no, he's got a point. They pitch shifting just Patrick Warburton's voice. It's always fun. <laughs> I gotta admit, like, them messing with Patrick Warburton's voice actually still makes it really funny. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, Kronk saves him because he actually has a good heart for the most part. Uh, <laughs> he, he does, ultimately. He's just kind of, he's just kind of, and, you know, I don't think he's as dumb as people think he is. He's just, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's strong in some areas and not in others. I don't know. Anyway, he's, he's an idiot savant. That's what he is. He's an idiot savant. There it is. That's what it is. Anyway, he loses Cusco in the crowd uh, after he saves him. It, he, and Cusco, a bag of Cusco ends up on uh, Pacha's chart, uh, cart. By the way, this is when you start to notice the backgrounds and... This is where the detail comes in. I feel like if you the, yeah. back, the backgrounds for um, Emperor's New Groove is actually really lovely. I actually kind of like how everything in uh, the city is very gray and gold. Mm-hmm. But then when you get out into the wilderness, it's uh, it's uh, there's lots of greens and whites and like the the gold of the thatched rooftops contrasting with kind of the the grayness and austerity of the city. And then there are little visual gags I really enjoy, like in the in the background of the dinner scene, there's like that fish wallpaper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like when Kronk is hiding and then it, the, we cut back and there's two like uh, wall carved figures that are pointing at the spot where Kronk, uh, is. Kronk was like pressed against the wall. They're just like part of the decor. It's, it's interesting. But yeah, but then we get a good sense of Pacha's village. So. Yeah, well, the animators actually flew to Machu Picchu and did a lot of... Um, did drawings for this. So I'm assuming they're like, hey, you know, we, we spent a lot of money like trying to like get the details right on this like city and location. Yeah. Let's utilize it at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the backgrounds are definitely much more n- nicer than the, um, than the characters. But again, like I said, the characters don't need to be because it's a comedy. It's a fast-paced comedy. Mm-hmm. We need to keep them fast-paced. Yeah. And I mean, it slows down a little here, and it's, it's a good thing. Like, for we finally get, uh, we get them going to, you know, Pasha gets back. He makes the long journey, and he gets to the village, and we meet uh, his family. Yeah, we get to meet his wife, who's voiced by Wendy Malick, who's an awesome actress. Like, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, like, it, it's interesting because i 
I'm trying to remember like shows she was on. She was on Just Shoot Me. And then now she's on the new uh, Owl House, uh, the new uh, TV show. Who is she in Owl House? Uh, she is uh, Ida. She's the main woman, like the witch. Oh, okay, yeah. I've only seen like one episode of Owl House so far, but I hear lots of good things. Yeah, so. She's been in a lot of stuff. Like she's a pretty awesome actress. Like she was in Scrooge. She was um, in, uh, my gosh, I'm blanking here. Uh, <laughs> uh, she was in like Confessions of a Shopaholic. She was... Um, in, I'm like going through it, like uh, through like her the list of films and TV. It's a shows. lot of stuff. No, I'm she's looking over your she's shoulder. done quite a bit. Yeah, like she was on Baywatch. She was on uh, MacGyver. Like it, it's kind of insane how much she's done. Like if you look at her, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've seen her before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense actually. <laughs> um. By the way, I find it interesting that, like, uh, so there is no love interest throughout this film. Like, they cut out all love interests, with the exception of uh, uh, Chichi? Or- Chicha? Chicha. Chacha? I- oh, my gosh. What is her Chicha. name? Chicha? Yeah. Okay, it's Chicha. Uh, with the exception of Chicha, but it's a loving relationship that's already established. Like, they, they're, they're in a stable relationship, they love each other, and they are on their third kid, so... Yeah, because they're, she's expecting. It's kind of neat little detail. That, yeah. That does kind of come into play later in the movie too, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, we, we also get the two, the two, his two kids that are getting, of course, they're really, they have a really simple way to measure up the fact that this is their family home that they've had for ages. Like Pacha had mentioned before that he, they'd lived on that hill for six generations, but now we see the door frame measuring thing and it's like, aw. But it's not, it's not saccharine. No. Like everything, again, there's still gags, you know, cute gags well, at play like, here. There's that gag where he's like, look, I'm just as big as you were at your age. And you see that like Potch is a foot tall <laughs> at five. That's right. It's just gross. That's right. I did love the, the bit where they're like, we, can, can we stay up late? Sure you can, but your mom and I are just going to sit on the porch and cuddle and talk and kiss. And they both go, good night. And they both dart inside <laughs> Warner Brothers style. Like that's, it's good. Pacha can't admit yet that uh, the emperor is going to d- destroy their place. But I really, really appreciate that this movie didn't turn to a liar revealed thing. Like yeah. it's, it's just a bit where she says, you should probably go back and demand that the emperor see you. Cause she says, yeah, he says, I didn't, he, he, he didn't see, he wouldn't see me. He lied, but like, again, not a liar revealed story. Yeah. It's that's not the point. And I'm glad cause I hate that kind of stuff in, especially in, in kids movies. Cause it's usually done bad. Yeah. As we've established before on this podcast, liar revealed stuff gets really annoying really fast. Um, but it there's some there is some stuff that gets established here that's important later, which I appreciate. Um, God, it feels weird talking about the plot when the plot is just kind of like on to the next gag, on to the next gag, on to the next gag. I mean, they find Cusco. Or Pacha finds Cusco. Cusco's a llama. Cusco realizes he's a llama. Demon llama. Demon llama. <laughs> they have the exchange. Uh, Cusco's still gonna tear the place down. Demands to take him back. Pacha's like, nah, go find your way back on your own. There's some argument stuff. Cusco does leave eventually. Uh, Cusco leaves. Him. Gets attacked by jag- jaguars. Oh, not, yeah. not before this. Not before he he, he uh, bullies a squirrel. Yes. 
which leads to him being attacked by Jaguars. I find it funny, like pops a balloon. Here's what I love. Here's what <laughs> I think we forget. Uh, here's what I love about comedies. It's like the squirrel just happens to have a balloon that he was, and it just so happens he knows how to make a balloon animal. <laughs> like we don't question it; it just happens. Well, I just I, it's to me it's a setup for the joke. Where it's like you the the subversion of expectation. The whole like he stand there's panthers, there's jaguars everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's the the squirrel pops the balloon. Nothing happens. But it's only when Cusco goes, ha, that every single one springs to life immediately and just glares at him. They're all surrounding him, ready to eat him. I'm like, bravo. I think the, You know how to do cartoon comedy, Disney. Well done. The, well the, done. I think the tough thing about discussing this movie is, like you said, it's, it is comedy. It's just gags. It's, it's all gags, which is fine. It works for this movie, but- and I feel like, it, you know, explaining the gags is, you know- relevant when you they should they pretty much just speak for themselves what i really want to do is just talk about like certain bits that i think are interesting at this point like maybe favorite bits yeah i mean here's the main premise everybody if for for those if you've not seen the movie why are you listening to this podcast go watch it (laughs) but the the whole idea is be cusco is a selfish spoiled brat who gets turned into a llama he, he and Pacha have to join forces in order to get him back. Um, and Pacha does it in return for him basically not tearing down his village. And it's a back and forth between is Cusco the selfish child that he's always been, or is, is he, does he actually have a heart? And that's the underlying story throughout it. Um, and along the way it's just gags gags like a lot of gags a lot of good jokes a lot of pratfalls with your occasional kind of heartwarming little heartwarming moment that's not too saccharine because again it's it's more about establishing a, you know certain character relationships like you know um a thing i really like is how throughout the movie as they're journeying together pacha occasionally gives uh uh cusco his um uh, sweater his, his, his pon- I wanted to it's say poncho. poncho it is a poncho I'm sorry. his poncho and like you know every, and there's a whole sec- segment where in order to disguise him when they go to that restaurant which I do want to talk if there's any scene I want to talk about a lot it's the restaurant scene. <laughs> the well, restaurant scene is like um in my opinion one of my my, my favorite parts of the movie uh, the one thing that does bug me is it's just a minor bug because there's a point where they go over the waterfall and Cusco seems to have drowned and his first thought is to do the kiss of life. And I'm like, as someone who actually does know how to like uh, do CPR, that's not how you do I don't think Posh is the kind of person who would know about CPR. Well, though. no, he does. I mean, how, like, how would, why would his first thought be to, I have to breathe air into He knows him. he's you- heard of CPR. He doesn't know the exact details. Although it is, does have the gag about kissing the llama. And of course they both, Cusco regains consciousness right when it's about to happen. And they're both like, ah. Can we talk about the fact his kids are psychic? Oh yeah, that was a weird bit. <laughs> like Alan, what do you think of the psychic kids? <laughs> it is an interesting bit. Um, I, I was, uh, I was, I've been here quietly trying to compile uh, what my favorite, like just, just gags in the movie are. Um, I think maybe my favorite gag in the movie is when Kronk starts talking to his shoulder angel and devil. Uh, 
but is doing it out loud and no one else can see him. And like, yes. Is Isma just like when they're supposed to be killing him, like turns and gestures to Kronk and she like, looks at the camera like huh? and, and and uh Pacha and Kuzco just like shrug. <laughs> Yeah, the two best parts of the movie are, I think, the, fin- the, the restaurant scene and the finale. Those are my favorite bits. Uh, yeah. Like, I think uh, all the stuff with Yzma and Kronk, realize, you know, when Kronk basically inadvertently admits to Yzma that he didn't kill Kuzco and then they have to go resolve that. That's int- Oh, uh, the, the gag where they have the po- poison bottle and, or earlier, it's like, let me see that. And it's, it's the label has slipped down. So it looks <laughs> so like a skull, but you push like it up. a skull, but yeah, you push it out and it's a llama. <laughs> Uh, when all when all the guards get turned into animals, just <laughs> like I turned hey, into, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? You're, you're excused. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, no, no, we're good. Um, no, I think uh, another. F- That's a great one. Another funny one is uh, like, does this happen before or after the? No, it's after the restaurant scene where they go to Pacha's home. Oh, that's the other good scene. Yeah. Where okay, so so okay, just let's, real let's, quick, let's 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 keep it roughly in chronological order. So there's some will they won't they kind of situations where like one thing I appreciate is after they go over the waterfall and all this the crazy stuff that's happens. That's another gag that actually is pretty funny. The um, I noticed that this time that every time they bounce off a rock as they're first going down the rapids uh, tied to the log, it all the rock always hits on Cusco's side, so Cusco's always getting smashed against oh, a rock. I have a question. Because I've actually had a couple discussions with people about this. So the whole joke is like, oh no, let me guess. We're about to go over a waterfall. Yep, shark rocks at, rocks at the bottom, most likely. Bring it on. And then he yells, yeah, woo! And people have debated with me like, wait, is he having fun while going over the waterfall? Or is he screeching in fear? Like, nobody can figure this out. So I want to see what he's you guys saying, He's saying booyah, if I remember correctly. He does. Yeah. I think he's, he's putting on a brave face and facing death with a smile. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's just funny to see it this from a distance. Again, the, the, the way the movie plays with perspective is a lot of fun because it's just this tiny log going over this huge waterfall from a distance for a contrast. Kind of like the old man going out the window and just boo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I like how they shake on it, and you think it's going to be a prolonged plot point. The next scene, Cusco immediately goes back on his promise and is going to basically leave Pacha to die. And I'm like, in this movie, I appreciate that. But it's just, <laughs> yeah. don't hover on that. It's just over. <laughs> and there's immediately another slapstick bit involving a collapsing bridge. Uh, then they go to the restaurant. Yeah, the that restaurant. that bit is so good. <laughs> it's the near miss comedy kind of thing. Bless you for coming in public. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought a- I remembered my other favorite bit, but we'll get to it eventually. Congratulations to you two on your wedding, Mazel Tov. <laughs> Mazel Tov. Who voiced um who voiced that character? Oh. The the lady at the restaurant. Let me look that she up. was great. Let me look that up actually. Uh uh Patty Patty Deutsch? 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 Deutsch. Deutsch. I assume Deutsch because it's spelled like Deutschland. Um 
I'll see what she's done. But okay. yeah, that's <laughs> she's funny. I like her. Yeah. Um, Cronk um, being they're, they're just every this. Here's the thing: the parts that I like in the movie are where the beats come thick and fast after each other, and they follow each other really well. And there's even little comic bits. I love how they're both uh, Isma, or I think both Cusco and Isma go back there at different points. Or was it Kronk? Kronk goes back there to annoy the, like the chef gets increasingly annoyed and he's finally just, that's it. And he starts complaining and he just pulls out a suitcase, throws everything into his suitcase, closes it and leaves as he's ranting. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. Kronk immediately speaks uh, diner chef. I love that part too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay. I looked up her credits. Uh, she was Tantor's mom in Tarzan. Oh, okay. And then, uh, like, she does kind of like a bit parts through in um, different movies. Like, she was a, animated stuff. Yeah, like she she was a female monster number three in Monsters Incorporated. She just has that that kind of it's like it's fine, dear. Like a very nasally kind of voice that mm-hmm. she pulls off very well. So, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the lines are just really good. Jeez. Um, anyway, continue. Sorry. No, it's okay. You can. You obviously you can chime in here too. We're not. I don't want to yeah. just like. Yeah, yeah. It's a, the in, another interesting part is this. Never have you have you realized they don't really make any. They make modern jokes, but it doesn't feel dated. Like the whole like it, there's a lot of diner jokes, but that doesn't feel dated to me. Like clearly, it's not like there's not re- diners in the time period that it's set in, but we don't really question it. Because- happy, happy birthday from all of us to you. Yeah. Like that doesn't feel, that's not an old joke. That's something that probably will continue for the rest of our lives. Oh yeah. No, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it makes jokes that are, that are, um, you know, cr- don't make sense chronologically with anything going on in the time period, but they're timeless in terms of the, comedy that happens in general yeah and the references they make like they don't make any like pop culture references that i can think of no not really no uh with the exception uh, the small exception of um uh uh the perfect world scene oh yeah where he's kind of like a las vegas even then it's not it's so subtle it you don't really think about it what was the bit you wanted to to bring up alan in this oh uh it's it's later (laughs) Oh, it's later. later. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's there's, why I was there's, saying. there's too many good bits to name, but like yeah, this leads to the we we finally come around to that part where Pacha tries to tell uh, Cusco after all these near misses that uh, Isma and Kronk are there to kill him. Uh, he doesn't believe them. They have a falling out. But again, the movie doesn't really linger on it. It's just kind of next scene. Next scene, and then we get David Spade arguing with David Spade. Yeah. Like stop narrating not llama voiceover david spade i think what i like about this is you do believe the journey of him like this selfish brat kind of realizing uh, it's okay it's better to be nice to people when they're nice to you because it it does slowly happen and it's but it's not like moments like well there's this one big thing that caused it it's a lot of different things yeah yeah exactly um is this also the bit where oh yeah so they narrowly avoid all this stuff in the in the restaurant and then like i think uh pacha and 
uh, Pacha and Cusco do find each other again after he watches Cusco try to eat grass as a llama. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to remember at what point is at what point does is Kronk doing the sleeping and then has the crazy pitch tent joke. The pitch tent joke, which is <laughs> Eastwood's got a giant tent. Kronk's got a teeny, teeny little tent, and it's pitched and it's near his crotch. <laughs> Closer to his knees, admittedly, but there is kind of a pitch tent joke. Oh, I think. I love that. That's such a it's it, it goes under the centers. This is this is such a good gag, the whole the man at the restaurant. He forgot to pay his check. <laughs> goes back to sleep. Camera slowly pans away. Smash back in as he sits up. <laughs> you, know, the restaurant, just, you know, just everything in that about that is wonderful. To which he then says, oh yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> um, you tired of being a llama? Yes! And then it's just fast paced, fast paced, fast paced. Oh yeah, we get to the, uh, the other good, the, the yet another good scene, which is everything that happens at, um, at Potch's house with his family. <gasps> that's right. And, um, just when when they're when they're a mile a minute, that's when it that's when the gags really work. Because like this whole thing yeah. is so fast paced and ridiculous. And like it only took us a second for him, we get to watch him just explain it for a second to his wife. And his like wife, off screen, she he's doing the exp, the explaining to her, so we don't have to get all that ex, exposition. And meanwhile, there's a cute gag with Isma and uh, and Kronk involving playing with the kids. <laughs> Mostly Kronk doing the- He's hiding something as they're playing <laughs> double dutch. <laughs> yes. So this is kind of where my favorite bit comes in because uh, uh, then Pacha and uh, Kuzco get a head start back to the palace. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they arrive at the palace, and Isma uh, <laughs> uh, and Kronk are already there. <laughs> and it's like, it can't be. How did you get back here before us? Isma's like, uh, how did we, Kronk? Mark <laughs> pulls out the diagram. It's like, well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, well. And they shrug it off. Yeah. Completely shrug off. Acknowledge and then shrug off a plot hole. It's so good. It's a really good part. I think that, like, the last half of the movie is, like, the like the last maybe half or third of the movie is like the best part of the movie. Like we Let's be did. real. It's the restaurant, then the then the the Pacha's house thing, and then everything, the showdown back in, in the city. Um uh, I love the bit in the house when like when uh, Isma drops the drink and she doesn't pick it up, she goes to bother Kronk. And poor Chicha's trying to pick it up, but she's very pregnant still. Yeah. So she's like trying to like bend over to get it and it's not working. I'm like Thank you, uh, movie, for acknowledging that part too. Yeah. Like, but then I love the gag where they set everything up for Isma barging through the door. The the bit where there's just their eyes in the dark <laughs> felt yes. very, felt very like Thief in the Cobbler. Yes. Did you get that vibe too? I didn't think about. Yeah. Crunk, break the door down. Break it down? Are you kidding me? This is hand-carved mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> Isma's eyes turn into like red flashing orbs. It's a very, um, oh my God. 
Richard Williams. It feels a very Richard Williams kind of thing. Okay, I see that. Yeah, like it. Uh, you didn't work on this, but no, but it has that get that vibe to it, especially when they're in the the closet, um, and they open the closet, charges through. I like how they they perfectly set her up. Like they can just that's the most Warner Brothers gag to me is when they're all ready to set her up with the bees, the honey, the feathers, replacing her with the pinata, just boom, 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 boom. But yeah, back to the palace for the showdown. They gotta find the potion in Yzma's secret lab to turn him back into a human. We get all the gags with the Kronk talking to himself. Um, I actually can tell you my dad's favorite joke was when uh, she tells him, uh, (laughs) she tells him, I've never liked your spinach puffs and his shoulder shoulder angel and devil are like comforting him. And the devil's like, that's it. He cocks his his, His pitchfork. His pitchfork, like it's a shotgun. To which it follows by the line of, now, now, the wicked will get there just from above. And they look up and there's a, 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 um, chandelier. a chandelier and it glows in both all three of them are like, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> that was my dad's favorite. Part. I appreciated that Yzma is so thin and bony that the chandelier completely misses her. Cause mm-hmm. she just, it just falls. She just falls through a hole in the middle. Like she's a fuck. It's like she's a Buster Keaton character. Yes. <laughs> um, I feel like the part where she drops him through a, cra- a trap door as well. She, he's just got trap doors all over the place. Oh yeah, this whole just, this whole place is just a nest of trap doors. Does anyone else feel like the bit where Cusco's turning into random animals was a little bit of an homage to um, the sorcerer, the the sword in the stone? Yeah. Especially when he, especially I, I when Cusco turns into a turtle. Like, just, you know, it's fun. I can see that. I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I yeah. can see that. I know it feels like we're running out of stuff to say, but that's just because it's just, it's hard. This movie. Honestly, this movie is better to watch than talk about. Yeah. If you talk about it, you're just going to reference gags the whole time. Can we appreciate the fact, since we're going to just kind of gloss over a bunch of this anyway, can we appreciate the fact that when Yzma finally turns into an animal, it's a cat? <laughs> like, yes. Uh, her voice is actually that's not um, Eartha Kitt by the way that's, uh, that's the director's voice oh really yeah oh my gosh which I find that they could just pitched up yeah amazing <laughs> which it, I don't see why why they can just get her voice and just pitch it up quite a bit but okay it's fine it works it's it's awesome <laughs> I like her going is that my voice <laughs> I can't do voices I'm sorry it's all right <laughs> Um, that makes sense. Although there is that funny gag too, is she's falling and there just so happens to be a trampoline. <laughs> For the last time, we did not order a trampoline. Well, you could have said before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in the movie, it's just like we stopped caring. <laughs> We're going to make it funny anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're not putting Yzma on the plummet counter because ultimately she's defeated by Kronk slamming a trap door opening. She didn't into her. die. She never. She di- never dies. Because remember, she. That's that. That does not go on the plummet counter. <laughs> so that's be kind of. I do appreciate that, also. Okay, how... so hold on. No, I. There is a plummet. Should that be like a quarter? Point? No, it's plummet to the death. Oh. They have to. It has to be a death, which means that you never see him again after that. Hmm. And it's, it's got to be the main villain or someone. Like, I know all those other guys fell out, the, the transformed uh, guards. But keep in mind, when we see that, when we see the, um, the palace from a distance, when they drain the canals, 
that's not actually that high above the rest of the like that little hill it's sitting on top of. And yet for these parts, it's a lot higher. Like they treat it like it's a bottomless abyss. I, mm, it's very strange, but I don't know. It's, you know, trying to put logic into it isn't important. I, I, I like that. I get a very North by Northwest vibe from this yeah. whole part. You're, I do not doubt they reference a lot of other films. Like this is. Oh yeah. That comedy tends to do that. Um, well, Yzma transforming into something and then they pan back and she's a cat. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it's all dramatic and stuff. At first I like thing. that her downfall is the fact that Kronk basically smacks her against the wall with a window. Since we like Kronk, I'm glad things go well for him at the end and he becomes a, a scout leader, I guess. Yeah. Yes, Squirrel Scouts. Squirrel Scouts, that's right. That's right, thank you. Yeah. Um... I also like that it ends with uh, there's there's a moment I, I really thought was was endearing was after Cusco and Pacha, you know, work out where he's going to build his his summer home and they're they're living together they're living as next next door as neighbors, um, you know he does the swan dive and everything I like that Cheech is there she's got her baby her new baby on yeah. her back but she gives um, this is what I was starting to reference earlier she gives Cusco his own poncho. Which is so sweet. It's very cute. Yeah. And they like she they they hug each other and I'm like, aw, I love that he's just like this is such a nice little acceptance thing. And it's got a llama on it, of course. So yes. yeah. Anyway, this was a movie. It sure and was. I like it. I like it too. And I hope everybody who listens to this also liked it. And if you didn't, eh. That's okay. It just proves you have no soul. No, yeah. here's what I think. I, it's a mo- It's definitely a comedy. This is a. It's a comedy that it's better just to watch and just laugh along with. You don't. You shouldn't go into it with like expectations of being this like grand adventure with like um, an incredible story. No, it won't make you cry like uh, Beauty of the Beast. Oh no, that made me cry. Um, I, I did. I cried after watching it because mm-hmm. um, it's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, but I think if you go into it being like, it's a comedy, you, you if you go into it saying, yeah, it's just a comedy, then you're going to enjoy it. I really appreciate that it's a low stakes slapstick comedy. Yeah. It's yeah. a really well done one. And you kind of just accept it for what it, once you, if you just accept it for what it is, you're going to have a good time. You, like get a, get a group of friends together, watch this. You're gonna have a good time. I had a good time. Yeah. Um, I had a good time. Yeah. It's it's a short ah! film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short film, but like uh, Alan said, so it doesn't overstate. It, it is like an hour and twenty minutes long. <laughs> it's just about. Yeah, it's really. It, it, it does what it needs to do and then it exits fairly gracefully. So yeah, I would say this is one of the, in, in a weird way, maybe it's an all time, it's a classic in my book, but just in a, in a very different way than other movies are. Might arguably one of, be one of the funniest animated features they've done. Like, yeah. for real. I'd, I'd make that argument. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's still a few I have not seen that came in the later era. I don't have whole high hopes that they're going to be like, Hilarious, but when you're going full bore trying to make a, a, a comedy, then you know that works out. Plus, I wish you don't get movies, animated movies, quite like this anymore. And with I, the just over the top, like not talking down to your audience with like stupid potty jokes, like.
Yeah. And pop culture references like slapstick. That's what I I like about this one. It's never it's never crude. N never too crude. It's just it's just fun. This is clever. Yeah. It, I think what I like about it, it's very unique for a Disney film. This is not like your yeah. typical Disney film. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, the director didn't want a typical Disney Disney film. They they didn't get they got a not typical Disney film. Um, is there anything more to say about this? Better than dinosaur. It is absolutely better than dinosaur. Every Disney movie is better than dinosaur. I am so grateful I never have to watch that movie ever again. <laughs> True. Yeah. It's over. Well, I have a surprise for you. The doors are sealing now, and we're watching Dinosaur. No! <laughs> hey, before the doors seal completely, can we can we thank our listeners for, for listening in and, and uh, supporting the podcast with your listens? Thank you all. And also thank you, Alan, for joining us on this grand adventure that is more just a buddy coffee road trip. Thanks for the laughs. Yes, good to be here. Good to talk about this movie. Right. Worth it for the yucks, for sure. Uh, our next film we're going to be discussing uh, for October is Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Ooh. Going in a different direction yeah. this time, but... Yeah, but I, ha you know, I, to be honest, I haven't seen Atlantis, I think, since it was in theaters. I think I've only seen it the one time, so... I've seen it. I look forward to seeing it again, evaluating it. Times after, but it's been so long, so this will be. I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've only seen it once, but I remember it very vividly. So parts of it, so I'll be very interested to revisit it. Anyway, uh, that's it. Yeah, that's that's the end. Go home. Yeah. We, except we can't. Now we're sealed in here, and Alan's setting up the projector. No, yes. no, let me out. Let yeah. me out. this midnight? Seat your appetite for terror and reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinara podcast is here for you, intrepid listener. We sample only the finest in sinister stories and, coating them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as eerie audio dramas. Tune in as Midnight Marinara sends shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appetit. <laughs> This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.